you. Why don't we stand? If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 103. I think it would behoove us since Thursday's Thanksgiving. How many of you have already bought your turkey? How many of you have not bought your turkey yet? How many of you are hoping there's still one there when you get there? If you're going to fry a turkey, it's better to thaw it first. It takes a long time to thaw a turkey. You can't stick it in the water and you're, uh, you know, try to do one of those fast thaws. It still takes forever and you're going to have a frozen turkey on Thanksgiving, so you better get out there tomorrow and buy your turkey. The good news is turkeys and ham, the cost of them went down this year. And so maybe it'd be a little cheaper for you. But uh, I love Thanksgiving, not just because of the food, although that is a great thing about it. But I like what it represents. And uh, sometimes Thanksgiving gets lost in the, the chaos of Christmas. And of course, I like Christmas too, but I do want to celebrate Thanksgiving. And uh, I, I love the Christmas carols but, and, the, and the, the trees, but when they start coming out before Halloween, it just kind of becomes a little too commercial. And so I want to invite you to just slow down a little bit this week. And uh, put the Christmas on hold a bit and remember that although Thanksgiving is a, is a, a holiday that we celebrate, and I'm, in fact, I'm going to read to you in just a moment uh, the proclamation by Governor Bradford all the way back there in that Plymouth, uh, on Plymouth Rock, and that, that first kind of influx of, of settlers. I'm going to read to you what he said, but it's far greater than just a one day a week, I mean, one day a month. One day a year, I'll get it out in a moment. One day a year celebration. If anybody ought to be thankful, it's you and I who've been redeemed and washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I want to preach to you a little bit about, let's get the proper perspective on Thanksgiving. And, and uh, we're going to come from Psalms chapter 103. I want to read the entire chapter, even though in my sermon I'm really going to deal with the first four or five verses. But I just like this whole chapter, and so I want to invite you to... To read with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For his high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from, earth, from us. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. For as man, his days are as a grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is not temporal. That's what it means. How many of you, let me, let me stop for a second. How many of you know those dandelions? You know, after they bloom that beautiful yellow flower, they get that puffball. You can blow them, and they disappear. A dandelion has the unique ability to grow completely 
seven, eight inches tall in one night, it seems. You go to bed and your yard is perfect. You wake up and it looks like little suns are everywhere. That fades. That puffball comes, the slightest wind moves it away. That's what you and I are, just a wisp. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, you angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of the Lord. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his that do his pleasures. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Why don't you just stick your finger right there in the Bible and why don't you do a little blessing of the Lord one more time as we prepare for his word. Father, we thank you. Lord, I'm part of your creation. I'm part of that dominion. And you said let all of your dominion in all of the places and everything that your handprint is on, we bless the Lord. And my soul cries out today, hallelujah. Bless your holy name. Thank you for visiting with us in our worship service. Thank you for being here. We pray we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm confident that I read this part that I'm fixing to read. I'm, I believe I read it just about every Thanksgiving. And, uh, but I like it. It's one of those, those quotes you don't have really often chance to use except around this time. But in the year 1623, three years after the pilgrims had settled there in Plymouth, Governor Bradford wrote this proclamation. To all ye pilgrims, insomuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, insomuch that he has protected us from the raids of the savage and spared us from pestilence and disease, and has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own consciousness. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and your little ones do gather at the meeting house on ye hill in the hours of 9 to 12 in the daytime. On Thursday, November the 29th of the year of our Lord, 1623, and the third year since we landed on the Plymouth Rock, there to listen to your pastor and render thanksgiving to the Almighty God, for all of his blessings. Now it was written a little bit more choppy than that. A lot of yees and these. But it's easier for me to say it that way. How many of you. You know every year something invariably goes viral on social media. How many of you have caught that. That uh, Now it, it's done. I don't you know. Everybody's kind of uh, poking fun of it. But the original one was by Shirley Caesar. And she's uh, kind of talking about beans and greens and ham and tomatoes. Has anybody seen that yet? No. Uh, okay, some of y'all have. You need to go find it. It's kind of cool. They got all these little uh, vignettes going on. But Shirley Caesar, she got to talking about, uh, if I understand correctly, she got talking about her, perhaps uh, her, her life growing up when things weren't always there. And so she begins to give God thanks for the food they had that year because they didn't always have food growing up. And she starts talking about it. I kind of like it. Thanksgiving, it's that unique holiday. It doesn't have quite the commercial appeal that, that the other uh, holidays have. In fact, Thanksgiving, although it is absolutely uniquely an a American holiday, 
because it, it, it began with those that came and settled in Plymouth, but for some reason it, it extends far beyond uh, faith and social levels. Even Democrats and Republicans will se- uh, celebrate Thanksgiving. We make it a time of family, of friends, of fellowship, of food, and maybe a little even football too. There's a lot of things that you and I can be thankful for. And we'll hear that. I'm not going to give you a chance now, but we'll hear about it Tuesday. All the things that we have been thankful for. One housewife wrote this, I'm thankful for automatic dishwashers because it makes it possible for me to get out of the kitchen before the family comes back for their after dinner snacks. Another housewife said, I'm thankful for husband who attacks small repair jobs around the house because it usually makes them big enough to have to call in the professionals. For children who put away their things and clean up after themselves, they're such a joy to have. You hate to see them go home to their own parents. (laughs) Uh, For teenagers. I'm sorry, for smoke alarms because they let you know the turkey is done. Anybody ever done that before? Some of you recipients, a couple years ago, we were going to do a great turkey fundraiser here at the church. It was going to be awesome. You've had our, our barbecue and our smoke uh, meats. You know we can do a good job. And we were going to do it. It was so awesome until that thing broke and all your turkeys fell in the fire and I had to pay you back your money. But, uh, you know, when you begin to think about Thanksgiving, you've got to have the proper perspective. Uh, it's just something about that. It's like the young lady that wrote when she was at college. She said, Dear Mom, I'm sorry that I haven't written you sooner. My arm, I, I broke my arm and, and, and also my left leg, Mom, when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory. You know, Mom, when we had that fire, we were lucky, though. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department, and they were there in minutes. And I had to be in the hospital for a while. I couldn't call you, Mom. I, I hate that. But it's okay because Paul, the service station attendant, was there. He came to send me every day. And because it's taken so long for them to rebuild the dorm and make sure we can live in it, I, I just decided to move in with Paul. And he's been so nice. We plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home, Mom. I'm doing great, and I'll write more when you get a chance. Love, your daughter Susie. <clears throat> P.S. None of the above is true. But I did get a C in sociology and flunk chemistry, but I just wanted you to receive this news in the proper perspective. (laughs) You know, it just happens. It it happened a few years ago, this this movement of of taking, especially on social media, taking the the days of, of November and each day saying what you're thankful for. And I've watched even some of you uh kind of keep that going. When, when November hits, you begin to be a little bit more thankful and you can put it there. Invariably, when November rolls around, you begin to place it in there. What am I thankful for? And you start kind of getting this mental list there. We're thankful for our family, our friends, and then it kind of slides over. We're thankful for our jobs and we're, we're thankful for the good things that we've had this year. And all of that is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you can have that that attitude of gratitude, if you will. But I want to help you today to look at the proper perspective of thanksgiving. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Or what James wrote in James chapter 1, he said, Do not err, my brethren, 
For every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights of whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begat us with his word of truth that we should be the first fruits of his creatures. The per- first off, if you really want to celebrate Thanksgiving right, the first and foremost you need to thank is you need to be thankful to Jesus Christ. I know you have a good spouse or you've got a good job or you've got a nice house or you've got a nice car and all of that is great. But before you do any other thanking, you better lift your hands and thank the Lord that has made you. Be thankful to Jesus Christ. Melvin, a pastor by the name of Melvin Newland, he began to look at Psalms chapter 103 that we just read. And he wrote this to describe the person who wrote the psalm. It was a shepherd boy who became the hero of a nation. A hunted fugitive that became its king. A condemned sinner who became a man after God's own heart. That's a pretty good description of King David that wrote this psalm. You know, when you look at David, again, that is one of the lives in the Bible that's fleshed out almost as much as any other character in the Word of God. We know so much about him, some good, some not so good. I wonder if David was ever, had, had to battle arrogance or pride. I wonder if he just kind of went around going, man, I'm just one lucky guy in the universe. The universe has really smiled on me. Here I was, just a little shepherd boy, and now I'm the king. And I mean, look at me, just everything has happened. And then just time and time again, he escaped death. He escaped uh, the evil. It seemed that no evil could befall him. And even when he messed up, it just seems that things still worked out. And I wonder if David ever sat back and said, man, I'm just a super special person. I don't have to think very hard because I have his own writings to tell me that that's not at all what he thought. In fact, David sat down and and this psalm that we see was written at the latter part of David's life. And David, as he sits down and reflects on the long road of his life, these were the words he penned. When David began to look from the beginning to the end, every up, every down, every hill, and every valley, he's beginning to express that thankfulness and this is how he started out first. Bless the Lord, hold my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I don't think he had to do this, but what I get an idea of, if you can allow me to give the soul a a persona, it's almost as if he was shaking his soul, saying, wake up, wake up. You need to make sure you thank God. You didn't get here just on your own soul. You're not a man after God's own heart just because you're special. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Wake up. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The psalmist goes on a little bit further. He says, in in that element of thanksgiving, verse 3, he said, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. When David identifies that the Lord is first and foremost the source of his blessings, it's then that he says, I'm so thankful that, Lord, you had mercy and that you have forgiven much sin. Not that we should ever do it, but, you know, sometimes you, you, you kind of sit down and you're, you're comparing notes with the one next to you. How bad of a person have you been? How big is your sin? Man, David had a laundry list of sin. David had murdered anybody. I don't think anybody's here murdered anybody. 
David had committed adultery. Hope none of you have done that. All of those was there. David, had, when he reflects back on his life, those deep, those horrid sins, it's the same David that penned and he said, you know, uh, uh, I, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. It's David that knew. But it's just like what we preached this morning when we hit 1 Peter chapter 2, that royal priesthood chosen generation verse. But I like what, what the last part of it says. You who should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You weren't, was not a people, but now you're a people. Once you didn't have any mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Can I tell you today, I stand before you, I know I'm the pastor, and, 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 and I ought to just walk on water and float, and the halo ought to shine bright. But on Thanksgiving time, when I get to think about that, and I start saying, soul, bless the Lord, it's because I thank God for the blood. I thank God for Calvary. I thank God for the cleansing waters of baptism. I thank God for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I know it's been 30-something years since I went down in the water and 30-something years since I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I thank God my sins are washed away. It doesn't get too old. It doesn't get too mundane. I could look today, I think, Brother Sponsor, I believe you might be the oldest uh, 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 saved here today, or at least that's received the Holy Ghost. Some of you may get up there. I don't know how long it's been, Brother Way or Sister Way, since you've got it, but I love it when I watch the elders that have had the Holy Ghost for a long time come in, and they're still lifting hands, and they're still giving God praise. You want to know why? Guess what, Brother Steve? You're our youngest baby, but it's, you're never going to lose that feeling you feel right now. You want to know how come I know that? Pay attention to Brother Way or Brother Sponsor. Every time you come to church, it might be five years, 50 years, 75 years. I still say thank you, Lord, that you saved my soul. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. I'm so thankful for that salvation and you and I. That needs to be something you thank God for. Not just this week in Thanksgiving, but each and every time he forgave all your iniquities. He took, well, what does the Bible say, that messianic uh, uh, part of Isaiah. It says uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. There's something about a God that would take your iniquities away. I thank God for that. The next part of that Isaiah, uh, Isaiah verse says, and uh, he was, uh, and by his stripes we are healed. Anybody here today, God has ever healed you? Look at the hands. David thought about that. I think he put it in the proper perspective first. First, he just blessed the Lord because he is God. And then he said, the next best thing that has ever happened in my life is you saved my soul. But then he goes on, Psalms 103.3, who healeth all thy diseases. I am quite possible in David's long life, and he did live a long life, especially for that day and age. I'm sure that he was sick. I'm sure that he had a share of pain and sickness and illness. He looked out on a nation, that nation had been con consumed by plagues. 
Some became from just nature. Others came from God. And he realized that he was a blessed man. In fact, David, in the, in the latter part of his life as a king, uh, he, he, he shared a table with a crippled man named Mephibosheth, one of Saul's sons. And uh, I'm sure there were moments that he looked at that man that had been dropped uh, as a baby. His legs didn't work appropriately. And, and David said, Lord, I thank you for my health. Lord, I thank you for what I have to say. I would have to be the first to say personally that I don't understand everything that comes my way. I don't understand all the things that life brings. I know that there's some that face pain every day from an injury or sickness. I realize that there's mental pain and anguish. I realize that there's sicknesses that come that, that, that ultimately will claim our life. I would never want to belittle those that deal with the pain. But no matter how cliche it might be, and it sounds good in the, in the books and the movies, but someone said no matter how bad, it might seem. It can always be worse. And David sat down and he said, I'm blessed. In the back of David's life, at the end of his life, he was in pain. He was a sick man. He was old. And you can find different places there. I mean, he, he had his share. And while he didn't have Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, I think David personified this it says giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and another way to read that would be to give thanks in all circumstances I'd like to remind you today the Bible doesn't say you thank God for the circumstance all right when sickness comes and the healing is not as quick as you would like, you don't say, Lord, I am so thankful for this headache. Thank you, God. That, I appreciate you giving me that headache. That would be foolish. But it says we thank God in all circumstances. Then he goes on. It's a little bit like what we, David talked about at the beginning. But he says, I'm thankful to the one, verse 4, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. David was so thankful for redemption. There's much that he could be say, you could say about this. If anybody knew redemption, David did. David, uh, first off, he was redeemed from being just a lowly shepherd on the outskirts of, of some wilderness area, and to now he's the king. Before he became the king, though, he played the, the harp to soothe Saul's mind. Saul would get mad on occasions and chunk spears at, at David, but. God had redeemed him from that. David should have been dead so many times over, but God was always there. Only God could have taken David's life and orchestrated it so perfectly, even with David trying to mess it up every chance he got. You know, I look at some of us, myself included, and I think, man, look at everything that God is doing, and at every turn I try to do something that derails it. Any of you ever feel like your life, you just, you're just really good at derailing your own life? David was that way. There, somebody said if you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, there's one thing for certain you can know. He didn't get there by himself. <clears throat> you see me behind this pulpit? I didn't get here by myself. 
You look at some of the jobs and some of the blessings that God has given you. I know you may have gone to college. I know you may have studied hard for your exams and you're a good hard worker. But can you just get in your thick head? You didn't get where you are right now because of yourself. But there's a God who knows how to redeem you. A God who knows how to touch you. Hallelujah. This Thanksgiving, I want you to reflect on where God has brought you from. He's redeemed your life. He's rescued your soul out of darkness. He brought you into marvelous light. The fifth verse, Psalms chapter 103, he says, Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I love Abraham. That's just some incredible truths in Abraham's life. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 1 says, When Abraham was old and well stricken with age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Can you stay the same? Can you look at your life right now and say, you know, every aspect of my life, God has blessed Oh, I, I'm, I know it's not perfect, and I know there's things I can change. I know there's things I need to improve on, but I'm a blessed person. I can tell you today, standing here, that my house is blessed. My household is blessed. I have a blessed family. I'm thankful for the job I have, and it is a job. I get a paycheck, and, and, and there are aspects of pastoring I don't really enjoy, and so I do it because y'all pay me to do it sometimes, but, but I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for the fact that God lets me every once in a while throw a lure in the water, get into a tree stand. I'm thankful for the good days. I'm thankful for even the dark days. I've been blessed in all things. I want to put your thanksgiving in a proper perspective. In doing so, I want to leave you, as I'm concluding, I want to leave you with this last story. It's one that I, I've read to be honest, I've never truly thought it out completely. Luke chapter 17. Let's talk about Thanksgiving in the proper perspective. Luke chapter 17 and verse 12. I want to read it to you and then maybe I can help you catch some things I didn't catch for a long, long time. And as Jesus entered into a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, Jesus answered, saying, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. If I could leave you with anything before you go dive into the turkey and the cornbread dressing. There were ten men. They were lepers. Leprosy was a myriad of diseases that all kind of affected the skin and things of that nature. But if it was called leprosy, it meant you were cast out. You had to leave your family. You had to leave your job. You had to go live in leper colonies. 
the rule was you had to stay a hundred feet from every person. You had to cover your mouth with a cloth when you walked. And, and if anybody would get too close to you, maybe they weren't paying attention, they were texting and, or something, and they, weren't go, and they were getting too close, you would have to say, unclean, 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 and they would back off. You lived a life that was distant. The Bible indicates that one man was a Samaritan, which just in... in kind of putting it together that means the other nine were Jewish but you know misery loves company and there's one thing that will kind of even the playing field and that's leprosy it didn't matter if you were a king or the poorest beggar on the street you all ended up in the same place and here they were these ten lepers standing afar off and they were doing what was required at least a hundred feet away they had heard that Jesus had healed leprosy before they had heard that Jesus had walked down in towns and opened blinded eyes. And so they said, you know what? I believe he could do the same for us. And as Jesus got close there in some village, they began to lift their voice and they began to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now, you know, I like the stories of the woman with the issue of blood who pushed her way in and touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped. Who touched me? I, you know, I, I like the, the, the closeness, the story. You know, the woman she with the with, that was caught in the act of adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus, and everybody leaves, and Jesus looks down and he helps. The story of, of the blind men, where you know he asked to, he, he got, you know, they touched him, spit, made made spittle, did it different ways. But there was no closeness to this. I don't know what Jesus did, but in my mind, Jesus. It was kind of dramatic. He said, I hear you. Go to the priest. Now they knew in their mind, well, if I'm going to the priest, there must be something going to happen because that was the prerequisite. If you were going to be cleansed, you had to show yourself to the priest. And so in my mind, I, I get this understanding that Jesus did not go to them. Nowhere in the Bible does it say he went to them. It says when he saw them, a hundred feet away or so, he said, all right, I hear you over there. Go show yourself to the priest. In turn, those nine Jews and one Samaritan go to the priest. As they walk to the priest, one of them happens to notice that the, that white leper spot was gone. And they keep going. And you can imagine they, they start looking at each other. They didn't have a mirror, so they had to kind of be the mirror for each other. Hey, John, and that, that big old spot on your cheek, it's, it's not there anymore. And, and look, your, your, your fingers are back normal. And oh, they began to get excited and they took everything. They were running to the priest at this time. We're clean, we're clean. That Samaritan, he stopped for a moment. Hey, Joe, what you doing? We got to go to the priest. Yeah, yeah, hold on a second. Something I have to do. He made his way back to Jesus. And the Bible says he came and he fell at Jesus' feet. He still had the leper garments on. Everything about him other than the fact that his skin was cleansed would have identified him as a failure. But he came and he bowed to Jesus. Those other nine, they were so excited to get back to their normal life. They had a need, God healed it. Let's go back. I can't tell you how many people have been broken and bruised that have come into the presence of God and God has touched them. But as soon as they are touched, they are so quick to just go back to their normal life and you never see them again. 
I got what I needed. Hey, pastor, pray. I need a job. All right, let's pray. Hey, pastor, I got a job. Hey, where were you Sunday? Oh, I was out. Where were you Wednesday? I was out. I don't need God anymore. I got what I came for. That's the nine. I got what I came for. Just use God as a kind of good luck charm, if you will. Whenever life throws a curve, I'll be at church. But whenever things good, you're not going to see much of me. They wanted to go to the priest, get cleared, get back in the swing of life. They wanted to be normal. They got what they came for. And they left to be consumed by the life. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but the Samaritan, I don't, I've tried to, to do a little research. I don't know exactly how it worked with Samaritans. In, in the back of my mind, they didn't really have a priest to go to, perhaps. That ritual that the Jewish nation would have followed may not have applied to them. I can't, I can't quote that yet. I'm still working on that aspect of it. I was trying to figure that out. I know the Samaritans couldn't go to the temple. I know they worship God. You have that whole... Samaritan that says, you know, we worship God on this mountain. The Jews worship God on that mountain. I understand all that. I, I just in my mind, Brother Justin, kind of think this, this Samaritan didn't really have a you know, priest to go to. There was no protocols for him. He was just kind of clean. But he stopped and he said, you know what? I don't want to just slip back into my normal life quite yet. He could have gone his way, but he was so thankful that he'd been healed. That he comes back to Jesus and he kneels at the feet of Jesus. And the cool thing about gratitude is sometimes the miracle is not quite yet complete. There's more you can get. And when he knelt at the feet of Jesus, Jesus said, weren't there ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? I can't find them. None have returned to give glory to God save this stranger. And Jesus said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. When you begin to look at that, all ten were cleansed of leprosy. This faith has made ye whole had nothing to do with a physical ailment or sickness. But it's the same type of words that the Lord said to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way. What that man got when he came back to Jesus. Not only did he get a physical healing, but he got a spiritual touch as well. If you'll get the proper perspective on Thanksgiving, you'll find that it's far greater than just the physical. God wants to do something in the spiritual as well. Would you stand today? We're going to end this around this altar for a little bit. I don't want us to get so caught up in life that we're thankful that God did this and that and we kind of go our separate ways and get consumed by life. I wonder tonight if there's a few strangers here that would like to come back to the presence of God and say thank you for everything you've done in my life. Thank you for touching me. I want to open these altars for those that want to have a proper perspective on Thanksgiving in Jesus.